Hello and welcome to one of the final Lost in Science for the year. And it's a very merry Newton mass to you all. <laughs> Isaac Newton's birthday, of course, famously on Christmas Day, although probably not really because they changed the calendar in between uh, then and now. But we should be celebrating it anyway. We should, we should. Isaac and Newton... Celebrate his birthday, and, and possibly birthday a different beauty. kind of mass altogether than what than what we might normally associate <laughs> with mass. Exactly. My name is Stu, and on this week's show, we are going to be talking about well, sort of all sorts of different Christmas vaguely related science topic stories. We're going to science up Christmas. Yeah, we'll 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 science the heck out of it. <laughs> um, yeah, we we're can't do a- science. We do a controlled experiment. We're going to do um, the same stories again another week when it's not Christmas, and we'll see how it goes. See if it's more popular or less popular. Mm. Well, I'm actually going to be uh, talking about the British Medical Journal's grand tradition of writing silly uh, journal articles in the lead-up to Christmas. They do this every year. They, they, They are genuine, properly written science articles, science journal articles, but they choose their topics from a a range of areas, which is not normally their purview, I guess. Fun. Yeah, it is a bit of fun just to show that, you know, scientists aren't all work, work, work. Claire, what have you got for us? I have a very special treat for us today, for Ooh. everyone listening. I have an exclusive expose on Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Um, Ooh, he is an all dirty, he's... dirty reindeer. I knew there was always something... So did he have a Not cold? Right. Well, was he an alcoholic? Look, yeah, was he an alcoholic? Did he have a cold? What's with the what's with the bright red nose? Just showing off, what's I reckon. What's with the flying? What what is a reindeer anyway? Look, I'm is gonna it, answer all these questions. You and sound, more. You sound like one of those other nasty reindeer that wouldn't let him join in their reindeer <laughs> games. You're con- <laughs> perpetuating the persecution of poor Rudolph. Oh, I'm look, with you, Claire. He I'm stands up one night and he's just like immortalised for the rest of eternity. Oh. It's just like, but, come on. Okay, well, but, we'll but, yeah, I, 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 I want to know, is, is the red nose within the range of natural reindeer nose variation? Well, that the is, blue noses. That or... is one thing that I'm going to be able to tell you Excellent. when I do my story. Okay, better be some science in it, also, I could say. <laughs> what are you doing, Chris? Oh, me? Well, actually, that's a very good question, Claire. I am, I am, well, because... There is nothing, there is no question so obvious that people can't study it in science. So I'm started looking at the question of whether people put on weight at Christmas time. As, um, I thought as, we just ignore that. Like, why are we, why are we shedding we weight onto this? How, how, can they write, how can they write all of those detox articles post-Christmas if people don't put on weight over Christmas? I mean, come on. Precisely. Look, no, it is a bit of an obvious question. But like the best obvious questions, the answer may not be exactly what you expect. Ooh. So, so there, it's all like Well, no, some, some friends of mine and I did uh, figure out that the average amount of weight people put on over the Christmas period is a pudding's worth. And that is the official measure of the amount of weight people put on over Christmas. <laughs> I think we're going to have to dig in into the, the science of that one, Stu. It's probably but, um, not an SI unit, I well, think. We'll, 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 well, let's examine that anyway. Okay. Um, Manisha, what do you got? I'm actually going to be discussing the best Christmas tradition, the only Christmas tradition that matters, that lovely midday nap after, after Christmas lunch. After the fights. There's no fights. Okay. <laughs> My Christmases are quite nice, thank you. Well, can we come to yours? Yeah. 
But yeah, anyways, I'm sure I'm sure all of our listeners know which nap I'm talking about. The nap that kind of conquers all other naps throughout the year. The nap between lunch and dinner. Oh, it's such so a, sweet. It's a great nap. So I'm going to be talking. I call about that my champagne breakfast nap. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely need it, and well, maybe we'll need a nap after all of this uh, seasonal related science that we're going to be bringing uh, to you over the next half an hour. So stay tuned. Now, the British Medical Journal was a source of a bit of controversy a couple of years ago over publishing articles critical of statin drugs for high cholesterol treatment, which, look, you might need some of them after Christmas if you <laughs> overindulge, but we'll leave that up to Chris to, to yeah, let's talk just about wait. later. Let's just wait on that. So they, they took steps to rectify their issuing of erroneous statements about that class of drugs uh, that have actually shown really high effectiveness in lowering cholesterol levels for a range of patients. But some of their other articles may cause uh, unusual reactions from readers. Uh, the British Medical Journal has a bit of a history of publishing seasonal papers with unusual subject matter. So they're not as controversial as their state articles, but they go out and they apply scientific rigor to a number of topics which may not be taken entirely seriously by medical professionals and the researchers who uh, write the papers. So just as an example, in an article from December 2012 from the British Medical Journal, they published an article about the health issues of a patient they only had contact with via the medium of film. Uh, the, the paper was entitled uh, Case Report of E.T., the Extraterrestrial. <laughs> um, so the, the, in the article, they looked at the available evidence from the film and they concluded that E.T., the extraterrestrial, was a small bilaterian tetrapod, which is a four-limbed uh, mm -hmm. organism, uh, sharing many characteristics of Earth primates and weighing about 35 kilograms of variable height due to its, its extendable, it's, it's extendable neck. neck. I would neck. also say due to its um, levitation powers of variable weight as well. Mm, possibly, <laughs> yeah. possibly. Um, they also warned that his alcohol consumption may prove problematic. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's a scene where he pulls yep. a bunch of beers out of the fridge and drinks them all. Goes that a bit nuts, That was a bit one-off. He, well, he clearly was unfamiliar with alcohol, I think. I don't that, think that's that's probably true, there. but they were combining that with his evident ventral fat deposits. He had a pot <laughs> belly. Mm -hmm. uh, and saying that that may have led to an increased risk of cardiovascular disease. So they were, they were concerned with the health of the patient. <laughs> and he did get quite ill at the end. He nearly died. Yeah, both, yeah. They, they actually brought up the point that uh, you know, with, with patients, you need specialists who are trained in the particular illness that they may be experiencing. And yeah. in the case of E.T., the extraterrestrial, they didn't really know what he, what was, he was or yeah. what was affecting his health. So that was... Was that when he went all white? He went all white and yeah. sort of died. And was then, it homesickness he was suffering from or something like that? Or? I think it was, it was unexplained um, and the doctors were wary of making a... Uh, a prognosis of, of what he might yeah. have been affected by after all. Considering they, his main like health indicator was a glowing furnace inside his chest. <laughs> yeah, which was, which was, as Neil Diamond pointed out, his heart light. Yeah. Um, which was, yeah, that, that was the way that you knew he was healthy and happy. Look, the British Medical Journal 
tackling all the big issues for Christmas, they also presented an article in December 2008 called Head and Neck Injury Risks in Heavy Metal. Headbangers <laughs> stuck between rock and a hard bass. So this involved researchers attending a series of heavy metal concerts to investigate the risks of mild traumatic brain injury and neck injury associated with headbanging, a popular dance form accompanying heavy metal music. So what whiplash at a concert or something? Well, yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Um, Their results showed that uh, an average headbanging song has a tempo of 146 beats per minute, which is predicted to cause mild head injury when the range of motion of the head is greater than 75 degrees. At higher tempos and greater ranges of motion, there is a risk of serious neck injury. So what they said uh, in conclusion was that to minimise the risk of head injury and neck injury, headbangers should decrease their range of head and neck motion. Headbang to slower tempo songs by replacing heavy metal with adult-oriented rock. <laughs> Middle or, of the road. Or only headbang to every second beat of the, of the fast songs that they enjoy headbanging to. Or to use personal protective equipment to avoid injury. <laughs> so look, I just, Which one would you prefer? Yeah, I reckon I, I reckon they would just second. ignore the advice yeah. and probably continue, oh, continue on with your lives. Yeah. Is there a pendular effect from the weight of the hair as well that oh. exacerbates the problem? You think? Look, it's maybe. possible they didn't mention that in the article, yeah. um, but that they, they should maybe do a follow-up yeah, study so, yeah. and see if the long hair is having an effect on yeah. the uh, on the the, the follow-through of mm. the yeah, of the yeah. hair. But um, yeah, I just I just thought it was you know it's it's an amusing thing that the British uh, medical journal do for the for the holidays. Uh, even medical scientists need to let their hair down occasionally, <laughs> occasionally, but in a safe manner and possibly using personal protective equipment. Today I'm going to look a little closer at the alleged claims of Santa's most favourite of all the reindeers, Rudolph. Dun, dun, dun. As we know, 
Rudolph is the underdog of the reindeers. He's a bit of a young upstart. Had a very shiny nose. Yes, I have, um, so I heard. Yeah. But one fateful Christmas, Rudolph was catapulted to the front of the pack to lead the sleigh and all the other reindeers had to follow Rudolph. Right. So this is the story we're all familiar with here. This is the story you're all familiar with, but how much do we really know about Rudolph? Um, I'm going to do a little bit of a Rudolph expose is what I'm saying here. First of all... Reindeers. How much do we know about them anyway? For example, did you know that the European reindeer is actually the same species as the American caribou? Wow. Is that that a problem? So did they just... Shock horror. Did they just walk across from Europe? Yeah, they're all the same species, but they just have two different names. So caribou, that's where carob comes from, isn't it? (laughs) No, it's where that pixie song, caribou. It just tastes like caribou. Caribou. Um... (laughs) Yes, so more like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Caribou. Right, okay, wow, yeah. that's, that's something yeah. already. Hiding, yeah. something to hide. Yeah. Um, there are two major groups of reindeer. So there's the tundra and the woodland reindeer, and they're divided according to the type of region they live in, not actually where they are. So um, they're also further subdivided into subspecies um, where there are between 9 and 13 subspecies of reindeer, one of which is the Arctic reindeer, which unfortunately is already extinct. Oh. So that's another thing. Rudolph can't be an Arctic reindeer because they're extinct now. So where so would Rudolph likely to be? Well, in the North Pole with Santa. So, so the Arctic reindeer are extinct yeah. and they're all from the North Pole, so they're, they've so, usurped the Arctic reindeer territory. Yeah, some, some, tundra, some tundra or some woodland so caribous just, just come across to, to um, mm. the North Pole. So is Santa really the, the mastermind behind <laughs> all of this? <laughs> well, I think we'll find out. I reckon right. Santa's a pawn in all of this. All right, so, so what else do we know about Rudolph? He has a red nose, right? Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Mm. Okay. the name. Um, well, I did a little bit of research into that. And it turns out that all reindeers have hot little noses. They actually have specially adapted um, to the very cold air. So they have very hot noses. So when they breathe in this very cold air, it enters their, their – um, and before it enters their lungs, um, it it warms up in their hot little noses and, and um, sinus sort of cavities – and it warms up there before it hits their lungs. So typical conversation, you would say to a reindeer, oh, it's a bit cold here, isn't it? And they go, no, I don't think so. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, yeah, so Rudolph's red hot nose might not be such a special thing. It's something that's shared amongst all of the, of the... of the Well, you know, I'm, I'm, maybe they're not red, maybe, maybe just, you know... Red, red hot. you know, red hot. Okay, okay. hot, warm. Or, well, warm is, nose. is the uh, is the red nose just poetic license? And he was just commenting on its temperature. We'll never know. Well, presumably this reindeer had something particularly red. I'm just suggest saying that the, the, the song suggests. Anyway, I'm sure there's more scandals to come. There are more scandals to come. Um, the other thing Rudolph does very well is get around the world very quickly and efficiently. Turns out this isn't just Rudolph, who is very good at long distances. Um, most populations of caribou and reindeer are very good at travelling and can travel up to 6,000 kilometres per year. So they can ca- cover um, quite large distances per day um, and at their top speeds they can run 80 kilometres per hour and swim at 10 kilometres per hour. Whoa. How fast do they fly? Uh, <laughs> 
Well, I don't. I don't really know about okay, this, okay. this flying. I don't know about that. The, sp- to- the airspeed of an unladen reindeer is <laughs> is a matter of conjecture, I believe. Do you have any data on their games? Because I've heard a bit about these reindeer games. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I do have some data on how um, well that they can see. Okay. So um, research shows that reindeer can see beyond the visible light spectrum and into oh. the ultraviolet, which helps them be able to see um, the glowing white of the Arctic that they might otherwise miss. But a red nose, which is at the lower end of the spectrum towards the infrared, is not going to be very helpful if you've got ultraviolet vision. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. However, yeah. however. Controversial. Dun, dun, dun. However, the sleigh. Yeah is steered by Santa, who needs to see in the visible spectrum. So, so he needs the, to see where yeah. he's going. It doesn't really matter. So you if still the need the red nose. Yeah, the red nose might. Yeah. And it may just be a warning device for other aircraft who, you know, <laughs> most aircraft have red flashing, <laughs> flashing. lights on them. It's, it's, so, it's flashing. You know. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, nowhere in the It doesn't say it's not flashing. Consistent. Yeah. yeah. Um, the last thing I want to ask is whether Rudolph is a male or a female reindeer. Um, in the song it says... You know, it suggests that Assumes, Rudolph is actually yeah. a male reindeer. Mm-hmm. And the name um, Rudolph is, I think, generally um, male. Male name. Yeah. Gendered towards towards yeah. males, yeah. Um, so in most deer species, only the male grow antlers. However, this is not the case in reindeer. Um, both caribou. sexes, or caribou, both sexes grow antlers each year. But what is different is that the male reindeers lose their antlers in winter or spring. But the females shed their antlers in summer. So, so what this means is that in the northern winter, i.e. Christmas time, all the male reindeers will be losing their antlers while all the females will have antlers. So assuming that Rudolph has antlers, which of course he does, as do all of Santa's reindeers, we can conclude that Rudolph and all the other reindeers pulling the sled are actually female reindeers. I, I, I think that's um, – so the song kind of mentions the name – more than it mentions antlers. Antlers. The song doesn't mention antlers at all. But in you know popular culture, you know you see people wearing antlers and 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 ears on their For heads some and reason, stuff I like that. I don't really understand that. But but you don't you just know intrinsically that that Santa's reindeers have I, I to have antlers. I haven't seen. I haven't seen an unantlered reindeer pulling a sled. Not, not a he single doesn't... Christmas movie has unreindeered antler. Unantlered uh, un- <laughs> reindeer <laughs> pulling the sleigh. Yeah. No, yeah, in the cartoon he doesn't have antlers. Really? When he's a baby. That's, that's true. There's, there's a cartoon version the, without without antlers. Yeah, true. I don't know about this cartoon. I mean, maybe the cartoon was right all along. Maybe, yeah, maybe Rankin Bass are in cartoons. on the whole deal and they're just confusing it. It's just red herrings, not just red noses. It's red, red herrings, herrings all over yeah. the place. Yeah. yeah. So Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, actually an ultraviolet seeing, hot-nosed, super-fast female caribou. Who knew? Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer had a very shiny nose. And if you ever saw it, you would even say it glows. All of the other reindeer used to laugh and call him names. They never let poor Rudolph join in any reindeer game. Then one foggy Christmas Eve, Santa came to say, Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? Then how the reindeer loved him as they shouted out with glee. Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer, you'll go down in history.
whatever your choice of of how to celebrate the holiday season, and I do mean holiday season because I'm talking like the whole gamut, the whole kind of Christmas, New Year, that kind of sort of sort of thing. You know, your Boxing Days, your um, your dead zone in between there. <laughs> Most of January, let's be honest. My birthday. Um, your birthday as well, Chris. Yeah, my birthday as well. Yeah. There is going to be a great deal of eating involved. That's mm. pretty much the way it works. There's all the roasted things, veggies, and probably some sort of, you know. I don't know about you, but I, I even eat when it's not Christmas or well, holidays. I, I eat but most of the year. I'm pretty much of, every a, day. There's so a lot of feasting. Weird, feasting. feasting. Yes, feasting, feasting yeah. there, no, is, all, yeah, there is. There's all your prawns, your puddings, your candy canes, your Christmas mix, you know, the little lollies with all the weird things. Yeah, yeah. No one really likes. admit. I like that everything. Licorice, licorice, all sorts in those Christmas mix. Who eats them? And, and whatever, whatever sugar plums are. I mean, I don't know. They're especially gingerbread. Gingerbread. Ooh. Yeah. 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 Fefinus, 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 So, given this context, the question I want to ask is: Will Christmas make you fat? Well. <laughs> 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 So the question I want to ask is, will Christmas make you fat and will I have some good news and some bad news? Okay, so let's be honest here. If you do eat a lot of calories and you eat a lot of unhealthy food in those calories, it's not going to be good for you. But the good news is that it's not necessarily going to put on as much weight as you might think. Yay. So there have been a number of studies done on this topic, surprisingly. Um, But one of the biggest and the widest quoted is by Yanovsky et al. It was in the New England Journal of Medicine in 2000. And what they did is they um, followed 195 American adults over a number of months and measured how much weight they put on various times a year versus how much they thought they put on. That's another kind of aspect to it as well. Mm. Anyway, on average, they they put on a little bit before the kind of holiday period. They put on a bit more during you know, as you would expect, and they lost a, a small amount afterwards. Uh, when asked, they thought they put on about one and a half kilos, but on average, it was only about 0.48 kilograms. And so le- less than half a kilo. About a, yeah, about less than half a kilo, about a pound's worth. Maybe maybe about the size of a Christmas pudding. You might maybe, buy maybe your pudding's a, a worth. Shop. Maybe your pudding's worth. A pudding's this is, worth. This is mm. Confirming Stu's um, theory. Uh, hypothesis. Hypothesis. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, like as I said, been a, range, a number of different studies. They get a wide range of different numbers, but overall, the message is about the same: that people don't put as, as much as they would expect. Um, I should put a bit of a caveat here, though. This was, as I said, it was an American study. Um, I haven't been able to find an Australian study. There's been some from you know, the UK and Scandinavia and those sort of places. You know, obviously, there are some differences. Like in the US, they also had that Thanksgiving in that kind of period. Um, also, also, Halloween in the lead up to yeah, Thanksgiving yeah. as and well. And it's winter. Oh, yeah. It's, it's winter, winter, so there's a lot yeah. of hibernation thing. People might be less active. On the other hand, we have our summer holidays where we just kind of sit around drinking beer and eating barbecues and stuff. Watching, so, watching cricket. Watching cricket. So who can say, really? <laughs> Sometimes we do a bit of exercise. We might go to the beach, might do some surfing or something. Yeah, well, go, going to the beach. Yeah. yeah, if you're just laying on the beach, <laughs> yeah. it's not, not great that, deal that of dance exercise. you do on the hot sand. That's, 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 <laughs> that's exercise. exercise. Yeah. There we yeah. go. A bit of cardio. The weird yoga pose. The weird yoga pose you do when you're putting your bathers on under your towel. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's yeah. exercise, surely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, the, the bad news, though, because I'll put that as good news. It's not as much as you might think. The bad news, though, is the big picture here, which is so out of these 195 participants, 165 of them, so most of them, they followed up for the whole year. I followed them up over this whole year. And they basically, um, they had an average weight gain for the whole 12 months, about 0.62 kilograms. And most of that came from this Christmas New Year period. So they didn't gain too much in the other months, but they didn't really lose it either is the point. 
So, you know, again, I'm not saying the amount mm. you put on over Christmas isn't very much, but essentially you accumulate time. it each year. So it's a cumulative Christmas Do weight the maths gain. is what I'm saying. Do the maths. So, yeah. Um, so I guess what I'm saying is if you're on holiday, don't think you're going to put on a lot of weight because you're probably not going to put as much as you think you will. But, you know, you seem to kind of make up for it the rest of the year. Or if you want to put it another way, the whole kind of Christmas in July thing where everyone says, let's just eat as much as we do at Christmas time only in July, <laughs> you're essentially doubling, you're compounding it because you're not going to like make up for it when it comes to the next December, for Christmas in December. So, um, yeah, I don't know whether I've got good news or bad news for you there. I think I'm still going to choose to ignore that you put on weight over Christmas and just enjoy myself. So what, I, th- I think just leave out the pudding and you'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. well, if you, don't, if you do that one pudding, yeah, yeah then, you, then, you, then you'll be fine. Australia on the Community Radio Network, you're listening to Lost in Science. Chris may have led us through some of the negative side effects of overeating over the Christmas holidays, but I think I've got a really good positive side effect. Oh, Um, yeah? Yeah, talking about why Christmas lunch, Christmas dinner, Christmas foods make you sleepy. Oh. Yep, prepare you for the best sleep of your life. Um, so a lot of the time, um, the sleepiness is blamed on the turkey. Mm. So people think that it's the turkey. We consume way too much turkey and therefore we get sleepy and there must be something about the turkey. So a sli- uh, are turkeys, you know, sleepy animals? Do, are, are they always asleep or, cause I don't really know anything about turkeys. Gobble, gobble, gobble. Yeah. They just make lots of noise and we eat them. And apparently have multicolored feathers coming yeah. out of their butt. I don't know. There's lots going on with turkeys. Um, they aren't, I don't know if they're sleepy animals, but it, um, they're thought to make you sleepy because um, they, it's believed that they contain a high level of an essential amino acid called tryptophan. Um, tryptophan is used in the production of serotonin, which is um, the hormone that regulates your mood. So it, so, it, um, so basically high levels of serotonin mean that you feel calm or relaxed or even sleepy. This is what you have it in your system, is that what you're saying? Yeah, so when your body's or when your gland is excreting serotonin. Yeah, which which gland yeah. would that be? <laughs> you know, the gland. Oh, the serotonin gland. <laughs> of hmm. course. So um, when you have lots of the serotonin in your system, you feel calm and relaxed. Um, so this is why it's thought to um, be the tryptophan's fault that you get really sleepy. But the interesting thing is that turkey is not even in the top 50 foods, um, like tryptophan-rich foods. Oh. oh. So it's not, people say, oh, it's the tryptophan, but it's not but even like, really yeah, so a major thing. Exactly. So turkey doesn't have really um, higher than usual levels of tryptophan than, than you would like expect in com- other foods. Compared to a chicken or something else. Um, compared to elk meat or seaweed or spinach or eggs, all of these foods Elk have, meat? Yeah. Elk meat. Don't you don't you always have elk meat at Christmas? I mean, well, duh. But I just mean. <laughs> oh no, that's more that's more of a boxing day thing. It was on the thing. list, man. It has more tryptophan you're than not, turkey. You're not from here, are you? <laughs> <laughs> My North American ways are coming through. Um, the number one food in, in or the number one. A tryptophan rich food is sea lion liver, if that's... What? Sea oh lion liver? Lord. Yeah, like a... Se- seal liver. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like, yeah. Similar sea, to sea lion. Yeah. Sea lion. Yeah. yeah. Their liver is. Anyways. So Eskimos, are, Eskimos our, Inuit are always asleep. Is that right? Uh, I guess so. Because <laughs> apparently the tryptophan has something to do with it. But anyways, as <laughs> that was a long side note. But to say basically that it's, it might not be turkey. There's probably another culprit behind the sleepiness. Um, so I would like to draw your attention to the other amazing things that are commonly found on your Christmas table. Mashed potatoes, sweet potatoes, chocolate. <laughs> how about, how about um, if, well, to me, it's a fairly obvious one. Alcohol? Oh, yeah, maybe oh, alcohol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think... I, the, I yeah, don't, couple of, yeah, champagne breakfast in the, cu- at couple the, of, at the couple start of, of the day. A couple of brandies with your Christmas pudding will make you a bit snoozy, I would have thought. Christmas pudding. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Brandy, yeah. brandy custard. Yeah, brandy Don't mind custard. If I have a glass. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so it's all of these carbs and sweets that we're that um, we're putting into our system. The, our pancreas is in like overdrive. It's it's uh, creating all this insulin, and to do so, it's pulling out large amino acids from our bloodstream. But when it's not really using the tryptophan, so it results in a relatively higher um, concentration of tryptophan in our bloodstream compared to all the other amino acids. And then tryptophan has no competition of getting into our brain. And then there's a lot of tryptophan in our brain, which means that we get a lot of serotonin, which means that we get a lot of calm and relaxation and sleepiness. This Sounds great. Sign me up. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Um, so it's actually even suggested that you'd be sleepier if you didn't eat the eat the turkey because the proteins have the reverse effect of the carbs because it actually adds those amino acids to your um to your blood so that adds the the competition for the for the tryptophan to enter the brain so yeah so it's not about the turkey and the turkey's not to blame and it's not even about really having lots of tryptophan in your system it's just when the tryptophan is relatively more concentrated than the rest of the amino acids in your bloodstream and then it gets hot and you're sitting there around Man, the table with your This own, nap, I have paper. nothing bad to say about this nap. I don't care how it comes yeah. about. I love it. I did stumble upon some like suggestions for how to reduce the sleepiness, but why would I ruin it for everybody? We don't need to discuss that. I hope you all enjoy your food comas. Well, that brings us to the end of our special holiday, lost in science. We got lost in Christmassy science. <laughs> Hearing about the crazy, wacky guys at the British Journal of Medicine. Oh, they're so wacky. They're so funny. <laughs> telling, telling people that to avoid injuries, they should stop doing things they enjoy, which could possibly cause those injuries, which is really not the point, it's guys. sort of beside Helpful the point, advice, isn't it? Yeah. 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 That is actually good advice, really. Well, it is oh, yeah. kind of, um, you know, it's like the it's old joke. It's a little bit wowzer. Of, you know, the old joke, yeah, doctor, doctor, it hurts when I do this. Well, don't do that. Yeah, stop doing that. <laughs> it only hurts when I breathe. Anyway, we also heard about the controversial Rudolph the Red-Nosed, so-called Red-Nosed Reindeer. So-called. If Rudolph is 
their real name. Indeed, yeah. his mm. real name. Yeah. Her, or her real her name. Her real name, name yeah. I think we realised, yeah. And Chris told us, hey, it's not about how much weight you put on over the Christmas period. It's about how much weight you don't lose the rest of the year. Is that, <laughs> that, that pretty much sums <laughs> it up. That's pretty, pretty much, much a message. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm playing basically saying it's your fault, essentially. It's not Thanks. Christmas's fault. It's your fault. <laughs> I'm going to go drown my sorrows in some Christmas pudding. Whatever whatever happened to goodwill toward, <laughs> toward men? I have two it's words. your fault, you're I have, fat. <laughs> I have two words for you, bar humbug. And speaking of bar humbug, actually, I don't know we were speaking of bar humbug, but Manisha, yeah, food. speaking of food, telling us that it's not the tryptophan in the turkey that makes us sleepy. It's all of those other things. And it's definitely not staying up late the night before waiting to hear Santa land on the roof. That can't have anything to do with it at all. Or all the alcohol that you drink. Or all the alcohol. No, as if that could have any influence (laughs) on... Any sort of side effect, please. Any side effects from alcohol, I'm sure there's... So that, that, as I said, brings us to the end of our uh, holiday season episode. Don't forget to tune in next week when we will all be back... Uh, with a wrap-up of the year in science yes. to uh, to polish us off. 2016. We're going to see done. it out. It's done. It's we're going to kick oh that year God. to the curb scientifically. Yeah. Lost in Science has been recorded at the studios of 3CR in Melbourne and is broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. If you would like to search for us on the internets, we have a Gmail account which you can contact us through, which is lostinsci at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, you can find us on Twitter, and if you can't be bothered doing that, you can just tune in next week where, once again, Chris, Claire, Manisha, and Stu will be back to get Lost in Science! listening to a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. 
Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online.